That's pretty amazing. Metamorphosis is a supernatural change from the immature to the mature, like a tadpole to a frog or a caterpillar to a butterfly. For believers, it's a supernatural change that comes from walking by sight to walking by faith. The story of Moses and Israel has literally captured me for months now. I have learned so much about God, about leadership, about me, and about the journey Moses had this special relationship with God, one that we've tried to describe, but it really took years and years and years to develop. We know he actually didn't even start leading or doing what God specifically asked him to do until he was 80 years old. For the first 40, he was in Egypt. For the next 40, he was a shepherd in the wilderness, and then God said, my servant is ready, is ready. Moses knew God and was a friend of God. In fact, we had spent some time in Exodus 14, but right before, I'm sorry, um, in Exodus 14, we're going to be looking at numbers today and in Deuteronomy today. And one of the stories in Numbers chapter 12, right before we jump into our text, there's a little bit of, well, grief in the leadership camp. Moses was basically um, confronted by Aaron and Miriam. And Aaron and Miriam basically said, well, how come Moses is the leader? What's the big deal? How come he gets to lead and and we're like number two or number three in command? It's so interesting because God shows up. And in Numbers chapter 12, he literally talks to the three, Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. And, And he said this, if there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions, and I would speak to them in dreams. And I was just stop right there. Hey, if there were prophets, I'd talk to them the normal way that I would talk to them, normally in visions or dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face. Clearly, and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. I, I got to tell you, I just stopped when I read that. How amazing that God has such a close friend that he says, hey, everybody else, I kind of talk a certain way, but not to Moses. Are you serious? Moses, he's my friend. I talk to him face to face. I trust him. He knows me. Oh, I want that relationship. And I I think if all of us are honest, we want that relationship. We do. 
And the point of our story today, Israel's learning about God and the relationship with God. Remember, they're new to this whole thing. They were just rescued about 14 months before our text takes place. So they had just seen God revealed in some new, in some big ways. The Israelites spent 14 months camping at the Mount Sinai campground. You didn't know it was there. And I know some of you, you know, you, you look at camping and the campground thing and, and all that, and it basically disgusts you. You know, you're a Holiday Inn or whatever, and no, I, I'm not going to sleep in a sleeping bag, and I'm not, and you just have all the good reasons. But if you've ever taken your family camping or ever gone on a camping trip, what happens is, is that the family automatically comes together. They do things they normally wouldn't do, and they learn things they normally wouldn't learn, and, and there's this cooperation, and, and there's something about a campout. So let's picture two million Jews. <laughs> camping out for about 14 months. They were learning to live as a community. If you read through these texts, there was organization that was established, duties that were assigned, worship and the sacrificial system was explained. The law was given and explained. And the most familiar part of the law called the Ten Commandments was given at this time. They also experienced God's wrath and the consequences of disobedience. But God said, now, now is the time. We've camped out long enough. We're going to head out toward Canaan. And again, this was a first. Two million people moving ahead in some organization. Now, they had done that right before the Red Sea, but I think it was more like mob rule at that moment. Just let's get out of Egypt. All right. Now they understood a little bit more, and they were going to move toward Canaan. Their journey was going to be challenging, and as a result, they begin to complain. They complain against God, they complain against Moses, and God judges. And as I just shared with you, Miriam and Aaron also criticized. And they get judged. The way I look at it, these are hard lessons. These are growing pains. They've never done this before. The system is brand new. They had been promised this Canaan, this promised land, and now they were heading toward it. So Israel lands at a spot called Kadesh Barnea. Now, honestly, to some of you, that sounds like an odd spot. To others, you know the significance. But I believe Kadesh Barnea should be a household word. Everyone ought to know what happened here. But before we jump in, let's pray. Dear Father, we come before you and we, we open up your word we know, Lord, that your spirit is active and wants to teach us and wants to inspire us and wants to convict us. 
certain words are going to be highlighted and certain places, Father, we're going to need to listen. So I pray that you would remove the distractions. I pray, Father, that you would be able to talk to us simply today, that we would be able to hear your voice and that we would leave here changed people because your word has changed us. Father, as I was praying through this morning, even on my way here, I thought of all those missionaries that we support that are all over our world. And although here, Lord, we have challenges and, and we look forward to a new year, Lord, I, I pray for those who are in the trenches. I pray for those who are wondering where funds are going to come, how they're going to make it, about health care. Things, Lord, that sometimes we just get because of the place we live. So, Lord, we pray that your word would go out, that disciples would be made, and that you would protect especially our missionaries. I pray for the churches in our area. There's so many, Lord, but specifically, I pray for Wonder Lake Bible and for Fox Lake Community and for Chain of Lakes. We pray, dear God, that each one of these churches, along with all the rest of them, right in our neighborhood, and in our state, and in our country, and all over the world, who are worshiping you, listening to you, honoring you, we pray that your plan would move forward. We pray, pray Lord, in, in this year of 2022, there would be so many surprises so many things that you've done, we would just be in awe. And we pray, Lord, that we would be part of that movement. We do. I pray even now, Father, for the youth retreat. I pray especially for Willie and for Brian that you would encourage them and strengthen them as they work with the boys. We pray, God, there would be great decisions made, decisions that may last for a lifetime. I pray for all the workers who are faithfully serving downstairs and teaching our kids truth and loving our kids and supporting our families. Encourage them, dear God. We pray for strength. We pray, dear Lord, that, that they would understand who you are better. Lord, I'd be remiss if I didn't pray for Karen Knight. Lord, we all know that Karen for years has been supporting and loving Ron. Ron had a stroke, and we didn't even understand all the timing back then, and we still sort of don't understand it. And, and yet, Lord, uh, you chose to take Ron home this last week. We pray, Father, for the funeral later this day and for the family. We thank you for him, his leadership over the past years, and for his love for you, the impact that he has made really all over the world. We ask, dear God, that, that you would be honored and you would especially surround Karen and her family today. We're going to open up your word, Lord. We would ask that you would just open our eyes 
We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Although walking with God was new to the Jews, literally, learning who God was, how God operates, um, again, most of them just had this, this perspective or view since the uh, plagues had happened. But God's promise was not new. The Lord had promised land to the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob back in Genesis. And these Jews had it affirmed through Moses over and over and over again. The Lord himself reminded the people of his promise when they broke camp right here at Mount Sinai. And we'll be reading that in a moment. And then when they eventually ended up at Kadesh, Moses again reminded them of God's promise. Kadesh Barnea is important because that literally is the entry point to Canaan. It is the last stop that they have before the Jews cash in on what God had promised them. I'd like you to turn to Deuteronomy, and as I said, we'll be spending time in Deuteronomy 1 and in Numbers today. But Deuteronomy, without going into a lot of detail, is Moses' last sermon. It's the message that he gives all the Israelites right before God takes them home. So they had already walked through the desert. They again were about ready to go into Canaan, only this time they were actually going to do it. So Moses is looking back over these last 40 years and looking back at the incident that we're going to look at in Numbers 13 and 14. So I'm going to start reading Deuteronomy chapter 1, starting at verse 19. Then just as the Lord our God commanded us, we left Mount Sinai and traveled through the great and the terrifying wilderness, as yourselves remember. Remember, he's, he's talking about what happened about 40 years ago. So at least there were some around. And headed toward the hill country of the Amorites. When we arrived at Kadesh Barnea, I, this is Moses talking, said to you, we now have reached the hill country of the Amorites, and the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed the land in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you all came to me and said, first, Let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and which towns we should enter. Moses writes, this seems like a good idea to me. So I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. They headed for the hill country and came to the valley of Eskol and explored it. They picked up some of its fruit and brought it back to us. And they reported, the land the Lord our God has given us is a good land. But as you know, that wasn't the only report. Verse 26. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God, and you refused to go in. You complained in your tents. Isn't that interesting? And maybe they were kind of even quiet, but, but as soon as they got a little bit private, they, they let God and each other know it. The Lord must hate us. 
That's why he brought us here from Egypt to hand us over to the Amorites to be slaughtered. Where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. They tell us the people of the land are taller than most of us or more, or excuse me, the people of the land are taller and more powerful than we are. And their towns are large with walls rising high into the sky. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. But I, Moses said, said to you, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God's going to go ahead of you. He will fight for you, just as you saw him do in Egypt. And you saw how God, your God, cared for you all along the way as you traveled through the wilderness, just as a father cares for his child. Now he has brought you to this place. Verse 32. But even after all he did, you refuse to trust the Lord your God who goes before you looking for the best places to camp, guiding you with a pillar of fire by light and a pillar of cloud by the day. God's promise was Israel's title deed to a land as well as his guarantee that he would defeat his enemies. God's promise was all that Israel needed. But the nation doubted God's word and began to walk by sight instead of by faith. They took their first wavering step of doubt when they asked Moses to let them search out the land before the entire nation went in to engage the enemy in battle. We find out from this recollection that Moses endorsed their request. And I feel got permission from God in Numbers 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. I think God was letting the Jews have their own way, not because the way was right, but because he had to teach them a lesson. Do you get that? It's God's permissive will. They needed to learn to trust the word of God and do the will of God. They needed to do his or go his way and not their own way. It was not God's idea to send spies into the land. The sending in of the spies denoted a weakness. A people focused on circumstances. It was a clear lack of faith and an act of disobedience. You know, I actually think there was a fear because they didn't know God. They heard the report. They saw the fear in at least 10 of the spies, and they just thought they couldn't take it. Now, God was with them. He knew the next step they needed to take. He would have not sent them in the land unless he knew they could take it. God was weaning them, like he does us, from walking by sight to walking by faith. This is so cool. I don't know if you remember, but right before we got to Exodus 14 and the Red Sea rules, in Exodus 13, God sent all two million of these people on a longer route. Simply 
because he thought they would get disheartened by the enemy. He knew at this point in their relationship, they were not ready. So he guided them away from some of the turmoil, some of the enemies, so that they would be able to learn who he was in a different way. But I'm pretty sure that God thinks right now, they are ready. They are ready. They've seen God work. They've walked through the Red Sea. They've recognized the power. They've lived together for a little bit over a year. They have had good teaching. They're understanding the sacrificial system. God is much more important and much more real to them. But, (laughs) they send spies. And the spies give a report. Look at Numbers 13. This is the spies' report. You can follow along on the screen or in your Bibles. Numbers 13, starting at verse 27. This was the report to Moses, the report that the spies gave. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it indeed is a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But, if you mark your Bibles, I think that is a great word to circle. Verse 28, but the people living there were powerful, and the towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But, circle that again, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go in at once and take the land. We certainly can conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among the land and the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes and lives there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there and the descendants of Anak next to them. We felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. The land was more than they could imagine. God had told them it would be amazing, and it was. But the people were powerful. Basically, it means they had scary armies. The towns were fortified. Basically meant that they were walled and impregnable. And giants lived there. Really. So we're normal people, and we're going to go against giants. No. This is not looking good. So the people panic. They panic. We had Caleb begging them to trust God. But they panic. Numbers 14, starting at verse 1. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Oh, I'm afraid this is just not going to work. Why, 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 why? Why are we here? 
Verse 2, the voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off in plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Wow. Caleb tried to quiet them down. They went from recognizing who God was, following a cloud and a pillar, recognizing all of his care for them, to hearing a report saying, no, no, we, we can't do this. Cities are too large. Armies are too strong. And giants are there. Then, some of the saddest verses in the Bible. Numbers 14, starting at verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. They heard all this. They knew all this. They recognized that this group was not just ignoring their suggestion. They were ignoring God. And Moses had a different relationship with God. Two of the men, verse 6, who had explored the land, Joshua and Caleb, they tore their clothing. They rent their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. And listen to what he says, verse 9. Do not rebel against the Lord. You're thinking this is a Moses and Aaron thing. This is not. This is what God has promised. Don't rebel. Rebel sounds harsh. Rebel is just disobeying God. All right? And don't be afraid of the people of the land. Listen to this perspective. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Can you imagine living life like this? Hey, I've seen the walled cities. Eh, nothing for God. I've seen the giants. <laughs> and those armies? Nah. We don't have to worry about any of it. You, you want to know why? God. God. We're going to obey God. We're going to listen to God. We're going to walk forward. But look at the response, verse 10. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, this is kind of hilarious, really. 
All right, they want to rebel. They want to stone God's leaders. Then God himself shows up. And while everyone is around, God speaks to Moses. Listen, these folks are, shall we say, eavesdropping? But listen to what God says to Moses with everybody else around. How long will these people treat me with contempt? Was it a booming voice? Was it echoing? How? It's God speaking. All right? Will they ever believe me? Ever? After all the miraculous signs I've done among them. I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they are. They're all listening. They're hearing God talk. How are they going to respond? God is with them. God promised his presence. And it started way back at the Red Sea and all the way till now. But two million who have become infected and rattled by the ten fear-mongering spies. The truth is, is that Caleb tried, and Joshua tried to give them a correct perspective of God and destroy the lies. Many of you know I was up at NBI, Nicolay Bible Institute, this last week and had the privilege of teaching um, up there to almost 30 students. And really, if I could put perspective into this class, what I try to do almost the first half of the class, two full days, is to describe God to them all the way through the scriptures. How amazing, how wonderful, how big, how gracious, how merciful, how just God is. Because my understanding is this, if they don't know God, why would you want to connect with God or walk with God or love God? And so one of my goals during these first two days is exactly what Joshua and Caleb did to the Israelites. They tried to give them a correct perspective of God and destroy all the lies about God. Like God wants you dead if you go into the land. No, no, that's not the promise. But this is what happened right here. And we have to be aware that the enemy is a liar and works really, really, really hard in every one of our lives to destroy who God is so that we have a perverted or we have a augmented or a demented view of God. And it's harder to trust that God. So Caleb tried to silence the negative talk. Joshua tried to quelch it. The report of the ten spies 
was evil because it exaggerated the dangers of the people in the land. It sought to stir up and instill fear and doubt in God's word and in his leaders. Their bad report spread the leaven of discouragement throughout the tribes. Now let's put this in perspective. Joshua and Caleb could see the exact same sites, the same grapes, the same giants, the same land, the same walled cities as the other ten spies. One team wanted to charge right into Canaan because this was an unbelievable place, while the other team is filled with a sense of certain doom. Ultimately, faith or unbelief does not spring from circumstances or environment, but from our hearts and our understanding of who God is. You see, a lack of obedience or trust can paralyze, but faith ignites us to follow God. I also notice that great leadership doesn't mean people follow. They wanted to stone the ones with faith. Dissension in the ranks means the crowd acquiesces to the lowest standard of faith. Now let me try to wrap up our message today. Maybe a little longer conclusion But I think this is a critical message for us as individuals and a church as we begin a new year, 2022. Brendan spoke to our church last week and began to share some resolutions, some, some advice some good truth from the scriptures. I was so grateful he was able to share his heart and he was able to teach. What a privilege to be away and have a young man like that teach God's word. But now I want to continue. I want to continue with another resolution. But I'd like to ask a question first. Am I really walking by faith, or am I just kidding myself? You see, obedience to the Scriptures, God's general will, will give us wisdom and guidance for the journey. We need to come to a place in our lives when we commit our way to Him without reservation, totally trusting in His trustworthy promises, absolute surrender, wholehearted obedience. We need to be resolved. We need to commit our way to God's. Have you come to that point? God has brought you a promise and told you to lay hold of it by faith, and and yet, whatever that promise is, or promises, do we doubt? Do the circumstances 
make sense to follow God? Has God told you, and let me be very specific, to forgive somebody? Someone who's offended you. Someone's hurt you. And you've decided not to? Has God asked you to love somebody? Love somebody. His definition of love is to be able to sacrificially give up your life to serve them, to meet their needs. And you know what? You've been too busy. Or it doesn't seem fair. Or they don't respond. Maybe God is asking you to obey Him and to trust Him and let Him take care of the details. Maybe forgiveness looks like a walled city to you. It's a family member, somebody at work. Maybe loving somebody feels impossible. How could I? Why would I? Other than Jesus asked you to do it. If we have a good perspective of who God is, if we understand how big and great He is, then it's easier to do what He asks. So maybe you need to spend time with our God. Maybe you need to get to know our God. Or maybe even you don't have a relationship with our God. You need to start one right now by faith. I know this. The more time you spend with our Lord, the easier it is to be able to go into Canaan. I love Caleb and Joshua's perspective. I do. What's the problem? Well, well, we just heard about the problem. No, no, no. What's the problem? Well, the problem is walled cities and giants and armies. <laughs> hey, guys, just letting you know, God's, God's with us. This is nothing. These are inconveniences. Caleb and Joshua are pretty special. To the ten unbelieving spies, the problem of giants was unsurmountable. To Caleb and Joshua, the challenges were insignificant. Their God was big. Their God was powerful. Their God, their God, was someone they could trust. (laughs) Walking by faith happens supernaturally. It's a mark of maturity. It's metamorphosis done over weeks and months and years so that you reflect God better. Wherever He sends you, You love people like Jesus did and you forgive people like Jesus did and you serve people like Jesus did. Not because you want to, but because there's a change that happens supernaturally in you as you have spent time with God and learned from Him and responded to Him. You see, walking 
by faith is scary. It, it actually makes you uncomfortable. It forces you, let me say this, to trust God alone because the circumstances don't make sense. So let me say it this way. If your walk, if your life, if your pathway, if your journey is not very scary, it's not very uncomfortable, and forces you to trust in God alone, you're probably just walking by sight. You're a good person. You're trying to make wise choices by, by looking and figuring out. When God says when you walk by faith, <laughs> there's walled cities, things you cannot do. You can't. There are giants. You are dead without me. There are armies. Do you realize this? You cannot defeat them. And all God says is, I, I, I'm going to walk with you. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. Commit in 2022 to grow in your obedience, to grow in your repentance, to grow in your faith so that you walk with God. You see, life is challenging, but life with God is exhilarating. You know, when they finally did enter the land, after these two sad chapters, you can read through it. In fact, I'd encourage you, because it's this time that God says, no, your lack of faith means you're going to walk in the desert for 40 years. That's what it means. It means I gave you a chance for life and you chose to say no. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to learn who I am, but it's going to take you 40 years. And 40 years from now, people are going to go in and enjoy that. There's even going to be a new leader. That's Joshua. But when they finally did enter the land, when Joshua was leading them, the giants were still there, the difficulties and the problems were still there, yet they took the land. I have to also believe they felt like grasshoppers still. That did not change. They felt like grasshoppers, but somehow the leadership and the people saw God differently. And yes, the very first obstacle, the very first challenge is going to be Jer uh, uh, Jericho. I said Jerusalem, that's bad. Jericho. Next week, we start our series in 1 John. And I felt even as I was trying to prepare that this message would be critical to set us well set us up well for walking by faith because that's what John is going to encourage us over and over and over and over again. What a great illustration. Numbers 13 and 14 of a couple spies who did walk by faith and a couple that didn't. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful for all that you've done. I am. I, I, 
I feel horrible at times that I don't trust you. I, I look at my life and you ask me to do certain things. And I lollygag. But God, every time I've listened to you and I've jumped forward in spite of what circumstances are or what my eyes tell me. You've come through. You've never failed. Never. Not even once. And all the way through the scriptures, you have never failed. Your mercies are new every morning, Father. Great is your faithfulness. Oh God, would you make us uncomfortable in 2022? Would you give us challenges that only you can do? Would you grow our faith, God, so that we might be able to look at unbelievable challenges and say, what's the big deal? (laughs) You told me to do it. You're walking with me. (sighs) God, we don't know what doctors are going to tell us this year. We don't. We don't know what our bosses are going to tell us this year. We don't know what's going to happen health-wise. But God, you're our God. You're a good, good Father. We can trust you. May we walk in faith. May we encourage one another to walk in faith. And oh God, would you, would you do something this year? that will not only surprise us, but absolutely appall us. We want that, God. We want to listen that well. Whether it be with budgets, whether it be with ministries, whether it be with relationships, whether it be in small groups. Oh, God, do something this year. Only you can do. We ask you, dear Jesus, precious name.